Welcome in everybody to today's edition of the Lions Maven podcast brought to you by Sports Illustrated. I am the doc, John Macaroon, lucky enough today to be, able, to be able to have a conversation with an editor at the Lions Wire. He is the co-host of the Lions Breakdown podcast. If you're following the Detroit Lions, you need to be following Eric Schlitt. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric, E-R-I-K, Schlitt, or at the Lions Wire, putting out great content every single day covering the Detroit Lions. Eric, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good, John. Nice to talk to you, buddy. Yeah. After week one, obviously everyone's still reacting to the tie. Week one, everyone's excited. You know, everyone kind of had expectations that the Lions were going to defeat the Arizona Cardinals, but it didn't happen. Now, uh, you know, a couple days have passed. We've been able to kind of explore a little bit some of the reasons why it happened. What's your impressions right now of the Detroit Lions after week one? You know, I, I liked a lot of the things that I saw. Uh, from the offense. I think the defense, uh, obviously, it looked very good at the beginning of the game. And I think there was a, an unfortunate series of circumstances that ended up going against them near the end of the game. Uh, poor decisions, poor execution, and it just created this, like, you know, problem where they had a hard time getting out of this, out of this like, circular uh, effect of problem after problem. But the foundation is there, I think, to have some long-term success throughout the season on, on both sides of the ball. And it's just a matter of, you know, not shooting themselves in the foot, which is essentially what I think happened in week one. What else gives you confidence? What are some of the reasons why you think the Lions could have success the remainder of 2019? Well, on, on defense, it's it's essentially the, the same unit you had last year, except you've upgraded talent across the board at, at each level you have more and more talent you're going to be uh, ideally returning Jared Davis back from injury soon you're going to see a healthier Trey Flowers and Damon Harrison and Mike Daniels who are all limited during the preseason they should all see improved health which should help the team um, the concepts are there the foundations there on defense that I think they can be better than they were last year uh, which was fairly good at the end of the year uh, you know from a statistical and you know it passing the eye test as far as offense, you can see a lot of the schematic differences between Bevel and Cooter and simple things like the way that he's scheming, that Bevel schemes people open. He doesn't overcomplicate things. There's still, there's still nuances of his game that are, you know, I think they derive from the head coach where he wants to be run focused and he wants to control the clock. And I, and they, you know, that's one of the reasons they kind of took their their foot off the gas. I think last week, but the concepts are there. Just a lot of basic football that we didn't see in the past, and because of that, we're seeing more success in areas that we didn't in the past, like slot usage. We're seeing T.J. Hawkinson succeed in the slot. We're seeing Danny Amendola succeed in the slot, and when you free up the middle of the field, it then opens stuff up on the outside, which then in turn can open up the run game. And there's a cyclical effect here where once it starts, once you start winning in some of these problem areas, the rest of it can can follow behind. Now, one area of concern that everybody definitely is paying attention to is the offensive line. Reports today, Taylor Decker was limited. It's going to cause everyone to panic a little bit because of the fact that the Chargers sure. defense has some really quality, talented individuals uh, in uh, along the, the defensive line there. Now, you noted uh, your reaction to what the fans had said in regards to Taylor Decker. It was pretty strong. A lot of people were not favorable regarding yeah. Taylor, Taylor Decker. What, what was your sense of the reaction, and how concerned should we be regarding that position if he if he's not healthy 
So, yeah, I think there was an overreaction to his poor play last week, and I think his back injury probably factored into that poor play. Uh, there was some mistakes that you typically don't see out of a, a fourth-year uh, you know, a starting offensive left tackle for that matter. And um, I think he, he had a difficult game. There's, there's no doubting that. I, I think the over, there was, there was an overreaction to how, how bad of a game it was. If he is not able to play, uh, then they're going to turn to Tyrell Crosby. Now last year, Crosby filled in for Decker very well, but this year it's been a very different story. He struggled in the spring. He struggled in training camp. He struggled in the preseason. Then he dealt with an injury in the preseason. And I don't think he has looked right uh, at any moment I've seen him play in 2019. And that's a bit, that's a bit scary because I, he has the potential to be a good player, but he's not showing it and has not shown it this year. And, and I'm not exactly sure what's wrong. Something wrong. He's not anchoring properly. He's getting moved off the ball. He's missing uh, angles. There's a, just, there's just a lot of problem thing areas. So it's not just like one simple fix with him. It's, there's a couple of things, but the talents there, if he is forced into action, you know, maybe he, maybe he's a gamer, you know what I mean? And he'll be able to, to overcome some of the things that we've, that we've seen uh, some of these struggles that we've seen with him. But then again, I don't, I think they have to plan for him not to be a gamer and, and plan for him to struggle. And the way you offset that is you're going to run the ball. You're going to run the ball to the other side. Or maybe if he, if he is, he's having run block success, you, you run behind him. You're going to uh, try and manipulate the center of the Chargers defense, which is something that an area of the of their defense that they're weak. You're going to have to use some screens. You're going to take uh, Jesse James and put him on uh, Tyrell Crosby's hip pocket and give him assistance blocking. So there's ways to offset uh, a, a player on the offensive line that's struggling, but it obviously makes it harder. And when you have to account for that struggle, you're going to have, you're going to lose opportunities in other areas of the field, which means those other skill players have to step up their game. No doubt about it. Yes. I think concerns along the offensive line uh, should be addressed this week. Now the lions are taking on the chargers who did earn an overtime victory week one. How are you seeing the matchup? Because a lot of people, you know, that are looking favorably upon this matchup are going to look to the fact that the Chargers do have some injuries in key areas. It's the home opener for the Lions. Whenever there's an opportunity sometimes where the fans don't believe that the Lions are going to play well, the Lions sometimes do step up. How are you viewing this contest, and how important is it that the Lions get this victory at home, Ford Field, Game 1? Yeah, it, this does have a bit of a... New England feel to it that they uh, had when New England came into the building. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that were writing the Lions off in that game. Uh, as you mentioned, the Chargers do have injuries, and they have injuries on both sides of the ball at starting positions in multiple spots. Uh, while Taylor Decker's struggling at left tackle for us, Russell Okun uh, ha- isn't even on the field for them. They've had to rely on a uh, on a backup, Trent Scott. Trent Scott is a was a guard who had one start at guard in his NFL career. They put him out at left tackle. He got his second start, but it was this time it was his first at left tackle last game. So this will only be his third start in the NFL, and he's going to have to deal with Trey Flowers. So it's not like they are getting a break in in these matchups either. Like they they're very injured, and they're going to have a lot of the same problems that um, the Lions are going to have when it comes to the offensive line trying to handle the defensive line. The big difference is, is that while the Chargers have some weaknesses on their defensive line, the Lions don't necessarily have that, which is a big advantage for the Lions. So 
I think the the key matchup to watch is that um, Flowers versus Scott matchup. See see if Flowers can take advantage of him because the Colts did that very much uh, in Week One against them. So that's my important matchup to watch. But I think it it goes like beyond that. There's there's a lot of these other injuries to, to you know they their tight end Hunter Henry's injured. Mike Williams could potentially miss the game. Those are two big skill players for them. The two of their top four missing those guys is going to be important. Uh, uh, you know they did well in Melvin Gordon's absence at running back. That's still a blow to the to the offense overall. Uh, on defense, you're missing Derwin James, who's on IR. Um, you're probably missing your number two cornerback in uh, Michael Davis. The number three cornerback just went on IR, which means now they're on second year uh, Brandon Faison, who ha- struggled. And you're going to ask him to either match up against Galladay or Marvin Jones. So there'll be opportunities for the Lions to take advantage as well. And if you can maintain that pass rush or you can slow that pass rush down, there's an opportunity for them to run the ball. There's an opportunity to get mismatches um, at the wide receiver position. And so there's, it can be a very winnable game for Detroit in my mind. Another area of concern obviously involves Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Uh, there's been reports that potentially they could play alongside each other. How concerned should the Detroit Lions be regarding their supreme talent in order in their ability to disrupt what an offense is doing? Yeah, they did that last week a little bit where they stacked them. Essentially what they do there is they put Bosa over the tackle and then they use Melvin over the guard. And and the uh, the concept is is that you're getting an elite athlete up against uh, a guard who is slower than him and it's an advantage to uh, Ingram. The offside of that or the, the other side of the coin on that is that if you check into a run – you've now got a guard on Ingram who should be able to handle him in a blocking game. You should be able to run towards those guys. And if you don't think you can run towards them, well, you can run the other way as well and kind of offset. You can, you can roll out the other way. You can create screen passes. You can, you can uh, check down into quick passes. There's ways to offset. If the, while putting them both on one side is definitely an advantage for them to, to, to collapse that side, you can adjust to go the other way or to, offset that in a lot of ways as long as you're conscious of it and you're willing to uh, allow Stafford to check into uh, those you know like audibles essentially now in my first year now covering the Detroit Lions one thing that definitely has surprised me and uh, that I'm now aware of is the sheer fluidity of the roster and how often players come and go how often the practice squad is filled and refilled and uh, now there's a situation where we're evaluating there's an NFL team in Miami that potentially could have a fire sale you know after week one you know and after the moves that they've made people are definitely paying attention to uh, who's being dispersed across the league and a name has come up that people are debating what would Minka Fitzpatrick bring to the table if he was traded for uh, and brought here to the Detroit Lions, why is that name circulating? Well, yeah, he's he was there the number eleven overall pick in last year's draft. Um, they are very limited in their defense and and what they can do, and and they run the same defense that the Lions run and the same defense that the the, the Patriots run, where they're multiple and you're asked to do a lot of different things. But the difference is, is that in Miami, they don't have the talent on the field, so they're having to deploy Fitzpatrick at, I think, six different spots they were using him at or they were training him at, and he didn't like 
being utilized in that much, you know, in, in that many different spots. So what they did, uh, he doesn't, so he, that's why he wants out. Now, if he were to come to Detroit, Detroit has talent all over this defense where they wouldn't need him to play six spots. They could pick one or two spots that they could, that they could train him in and, and they could just see where he goes from there. He's best inside at like a at like a nickel slash corner type of slot role, and you could there's a, there's a path for that in Detroit. You'd have to make some adjustments with either Justin Coleman, or when he, or, or maybe uh, you're just running more three safety sets. Or uh, I believe he actually has a skill set to play the um, at outside corner as well. And then you could platoon him with Rashawn Melvin, or you could just use Melvin in situations like adding a. a a Pro Bowl level young player in his second year who you're going if you were to trade for him, you would get him for three more years plus a fifth year option. You should get him for four years essentially on the on the cheap. And he it it, it I I'm never against adding defensive backs. Like especially in this defense. You defensive backs are really while that while it's fun to see what they do up front and 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 the and the schematic nuances of it the defensive backs are really where they need their talent in order to run the, the stuff up front that they do you need to be able to cover you need to be able to play zone you need to be able to tackle all the and when you're playing the secondary and so adding as many guys that that are good in there the better it they'll find a spot for him if if they brought him in they would find a spot for him and they would make adjustments somewhere else like most likely with either Coleman or Melvin but i wouldn't be against bringing him in at all because you need talent in this scheme on the back end always enjoy talking nfl football with those in the know eric schlitt and jeff risden do an amazing job over there at the lions wire check out their work at lionswire.usatoday.com follow eric on twitter at eric schlitt now i do want to get a little bit of your story um how did you become a writer and editor over there at the lions wire and what's been your experiences covering sports now especially covering the detroit lions oh geez i so i uh used to work in the schools um and I left when my uh, daughter was young and um, I stayed at home as like a kind of like a stay at home dad. And I was looking for something to uh, keep my interest essentially. And so that I wasn't just, you know, focused on uh, on my, my kids and, and taking care of the house and stuff. And so I started, uh, I applied for a writer position at a blog and uh, I got the, I got hired and I, learned how to like you know write to the masses i guess from there it just became what i found is that i had a i had a unique perspective that some other people didn't have and and i had different th- different types of articles that i would write that weren't being written because i i said i want to write stuff that i'm interested in and so i i I started having a lot of success early with that. And from there, it, uh, I, uh, USA Today decided to open up this uh, open up Lions Wire. Uh, just came out like two, a little over two and a half years ago, right? And so when they opened it up, they were looking for people. Uh, my name got put into the mix, and then that's how I got hired in at USA Today. And then from there, I've uh, worked my way up the ladder. Uh, the editor who brought me in initially was Ty Scholter. He left to uh, pursue other opportunities, and then when that happened and, and they brought Jeff Risden in, they promoted me, and from there it just became getting credentialed and 
uh, you know, creating a, a, getting myself more established and building, you know, my, I don't want to say my brand, but that's kind of like what is the trendy thing to do right now is say, uh, but I essentially want to, you know, say, this is who I am. This is what I think. And, and I've, I've always tried to take ownership of that. Um, I created a, a, a podcast three years ago with my buddy who I've known for 15 years, Joe Kenya. And so I very much just put myself out there and it's, it's, I feel like it's just, a, it's a little different than, than what you get from some other avenues. And, it, and it's, it's been, it's, it's helped me find some success and that's really how I got started and, and how I've gotten to where I am at this point. And I really appreciate you sharing that with me. No doubt about it. You are leaving a mark. Definitely follow him on Twitter. It's where I seen the entire recap of the Detroit Lions salary cap breakdown. So when you hear me saying the Detroit Lions are going to save over $20 million by cutting Stafford, it's because Eric provided me that information in different (laughs) color-coded stuff. So follow him. He's definitely in the mix. He's in the know. He knows his football. That's why he's here talking to me today on our podcast. Thank you so much, Eric. I look forward to talking football with you and learning uh, more about you and what you've done and things like that. Keep up the great work. Uh, A lot of people are reading your work and it's definitely high quality and uh, you definitely are leaving a mark. Good job. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.